Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined by Raj Chapalu. Raj, the Lakers have not won a game since the last time we recorded, but they've only played one game since the last time we recorded. And I would qualify that Warriors game as progress. So maybe this is the most positive we've ever been recording a Lakers podcast. Yeah, maybe we can build off that one. I mean, it feels like every time the Lakers lose, they have some weird stories that come out the next day. Someone, for some reason, wants to keep talking to other people in the media and we get other stories. But I think it's fitting. We're, you know, recording an I Love Basketball podcast on Valentine's Day. So, oh, we, yeah, yeah, we love basketball. At least we're supposed to. Uh, this Lakers team definitely tests that. Um, but yeah, I think it's fitting to have our I Love Basketball podcast on this Valentine's Day. That's a very good point. I had not considered it. Um, the Lakers have not really acted like our Valentines this year, but you know, it is what it is. Yes. So first things first, uh, the Lakers played the Warriors on Saturday and played what I would say was one of their better games of 2022. Yeah. Uh, it did not end in a win, unfortunately. Um, but there were some positive takeaways to be had from a game against what I would consider the best team in the Western conference, all due respect to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Raj, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about some takeaways here. So what, what stood out to you from that, that you think we can, you know, hold on to going forward as Laker fans. I think they play hard. And I know that's like a low bar, like that's a low baseline to say, but I think they did. I think they came out, thought LeBron at least was aggressive. His fourth quarter was, I'm not sure what that was. He was mm-hmm. one for 10 in the fourth. LeBron's hey, allowed to have bad games sometimes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's probably an anomaly like that. That's not going to happen very often. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, again, not aggressive in the fourth, actually all night. I thought he wasn't aggressive on offense. They double teamed him easily, but our effort was there. And I think that's something you could build off. I thought Russ played a good floor game. Like he wasn't aggressive with his scoring as much few bad shots here and there, here and there, but we can just put effort and play hard. And I think we're coming to this point here where it's super clear to me that we need to play the youth. And I thought we continue to saw that, uh, saw, see that against the, against the Warriors. Like we saw Taylor Horton Tucker play probably another really good game. Looks like, you know, it looks like we talked about before, would he be on the team? And he is, and it looks like he's getting comfortable. His jumper is there again with the ball in his hands. Austin Reeves again was just awesome. Almost won them the game. He had a layup, he had a layup put them at the up end of six. Yeah. Yeah. Put them up six and kind of talking trash to the Warriors a little bit back and forth and put them up six before Clay Thompson went nuclear, which mm-hmm. is going to happen, I guess. Um, and there's some substitution patterns uh, that you you know you you want to discuss about Frank Vogel, I guess, putting in Avery Bradley for THT, which I honestly thought lost us the game. Uh, but that's the stuff I want to build on. We played hard. That's like number one. We don't have another game until Wednesday, so they have a few more games to think about this one. Um, but yeah, that's what I saw in that game. We we ran some more, you know offensive stuff for Russ where he's a screener we you know we ran some actions there that I didn't see all season like there's stuff there that I'm seeing they can kind of build on but first and foremost would you agree with that Serena that they at least played hard in that one yeah I just wish that wasn't like the bare minimum that the Lakers had to clear <laughs> yeah on, you know a semi-regular basis this season uh mm-hmm. but yeah let's talk about Taylor in a little bit because you know the last time you and I spoke there was a sense that maybe that was the last time that Taylor Horton Tucker would be in a Laker uniform at least for the foreseeable future and Thankfully, I'm going to say that was not the case because I like Taylor quite a bit. Um, and, you know, him and Austin are putting up as good of a case as anyone to be here Valentine on February 14th just because of the little the little come up that Taylor and Austin are on. I mean, I guess it's fair to say that Austin has kind of been at this level of play for a little bit longer, but 
I thought some of the drives that he made against Golden State were new. Like him, his aggression is one thing that I've always wanted to see yeah. just dialed up a little bit because I think he just is more capable than, you know, most defenses give him credit for. So him attacking the basket a more was really cool to see and just like hunting his shot more often, which I just wanted to happen for a little, you know, longer. So that was cool to see from Austin. Uh, I really thought when he hit that little runner to put him up six, that like the Lakers were going to hold on there, but you know, there's, there's that guy, Clay Thompson, who just <laughs> who loves playing against the team that his dad works for. And I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely killed us. And there's some unlucky stuff too. I think we had a play where we tipped the ball and it, right, just... And it just dips right to Clay Thompson. Who's always in shooting pockets. <laughs> And he was ready to go. He was yeah. fired up for that one, too. At the play that gets lost, and I think the all-star starter, Andrew Wiggins, hitting a step-back three over LeBron. Like, what was that? Like, that was just – that's when I kind of knew we were going to lose. When <laughs> Andrew Wiggins hit that step-back three over LeBron, I think to put them back up one after we went up we went up two or something like that. Like, I thought we would probably lose that one. But, yeah, you lose to Clay going nuclear. Like, that stuff happens. You know, that's not something to be ashamed of. I think that's fine. If you can build off this, it's just it would have been nice to get a win, you know, to kind of to continue to build. But, yeah, Austin Reeves was great. Five for five. Probably shot, put her, like you talked about, probably should have shot way more than he did. He just fits next to LeBron and AD. Like, I don't, I don't understand why, you know, it's so hard for him to play. I feel like, you know, most of his minutes did come in the fourth quarter there. 23 minutes for him, 23 minutes for Avery Bradley. Get and him 30, him get in. Austin 30. <laughs> THT is starting to put 30. I mean, he, he played 29 minutes and he was incredible. Three for five from three. The jumper looks get looks there. To me, though, THT's defense on Clay Thompson, like I thought he was the one that chased over the screen on him. I think on Clay, you have to have guys who can, you know, uh, top lock him. Length chase. too. Yes, you have to be able to chase over the top and affect the jumper a little bit. And then when Clay saw he had Avery Bradley on him, I thought that was it. You know, green light. Tried. green light. Yeah. And Clay has already a green light. I don't know what's more green than green, but Clay already has that. And you put a small guard on him. I thought, you know, that really carried them. But yeah, something to, a little bit, little something to build on. THT, Austin Reeves, play the youth. Malik Monk as well. Uh, 20 minutes for Malik Monk. He was five for nine. Like, I think we're done with the 36 year olds. And, you know, we've been linked to Goran Dragic as well. Goran is also 36 or 35 one of those two like it's just like please play the youth and i think uh you'll benefit from that and i think we're seeing that no dwight howard as well he didn't play we're getting full-time lebron and ad ad at center with lebron at center as the backup like play the youth with them and i think you'll you'll get the dividends from that yeah i I, i'm glad you brought up tail defense on clay because you know so often i feel like we just group the splash brothers together like guarding seth and clay when they require very different skill sets to work with each of them and like Talon, I don't think guarding Steph is up his alley at all, but that's fine because guarding clay kind of worked. And just the fact that he has that seven, one wingspan and can like actually get a hand in clay's face, I think was a meaningful yeah. deterrent that just wasn't present with Avery Bradley, who's six, one and has much shorter arms. So it was cool to see Talon play. Well, it was cool to see Austin play. Well, we should start calling him AR 30 just to like get the minutes. <laughs> the 15 does not mean that's what we kept him at. Frank. <laughs> Right at his average, 21 minutes, I think he averages for the season. Yeah. Like 23. Yeah. Needs more minutes. For Needs sure. more minutes. He should be starting. Um, it should just yes. happen. No. I've I'm, been there. Malik's been great, but I feel like Austin should start. I think he just fits with our starting lineup so much. It's right. the Caruso arc that I keep saying. Like, it's just, 
it's, it's crazy just a little bit expedited it. because the Lakers don't have enough good players to wait. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, Caruso, I guess it was kind of, well, no, Caruso not playing over Rondo was, was flagrant at the time. And I'll continue to say that, but Hey, it worked. Austin, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it definitely did. It worked. I guess we, we paid off at, at the end starting him, but yeah, Austin should be playing more. He fits just is a glue guy moves the basket. His passes. Like, do you see some of the like, no looks he throws? He throws like lobs to Anthony Davis. Like it just looks like he knows how to play. And again, that just goes to the Crusoe comp again. But like he just knows how to play basketball and it fits with this team. Yeah, it's it's nice to see that we have some level of young talent that still exists on this roster after all of the trades that have occurred over the past two years, you know, with an eye on the present over the future. But Talon's still got another year left on his contract. I assume that because the Lakers kept him, they're still invested in his future. And Austin's got another year left on this one. So Nice to have guys who not only are playing well and are young, but there is some measure of team control on them. Unlike, you know, Malik Monk. Uh, so to have Austin and Talon playing this well and be afforded more trust, even if it's not as much as we would like is, is a good thing to see. Uh, just, ah, oh God, that a win would have been so nice. <laughs> would have been so Really nice. would have. And again, the Warriors didn't have Draymond Green, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, AD has to be better. I think, I think it's too easy to take him out of the game. I want to ask you about this because I think it's interesting. We've stopped talking about Anthony Davis at center, right? That was a big complaint on Lakers Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's it's happened now. Anthony Davis is a full-time center. So that yeah. means he's, you know, begging bodies with the bigs. It was Kevon Looney who's not thought of as like a super like big bang body because he's not a post-up threat. But still, Kevon Looney attacks the offensive rebound every time, right? And that's stuff that I think wears on Anthony Davis. Do you think that's impacting his offensive game, like his aggression, I guess? on offense or is that just a separate issue to you because I, I think that's a I think it's interesting that we've just top, stopped talking about that because obviously they move towards that direction with him playing full center but I think that could be a thing that's impacting like three shots I think it's three shots total in in the fourth quarter combined that Blazers game obviously there was no fourth quarter shot attempts mm-hmm. thinking against the Warriors it was like three shots and the Warriors again soft double get the ball out of his hands but still Anthony Davis, you should not take two shots in the close in a close game of a fourth quarter. Like it, that should not happen. But do you think that's something that could be impacting him as well? That's a really good point. I mean, AD has never been quite as aggressive as I would have wanted as an offensive player since he got to the Lakers, really. Yeah. And it wasn't a problem when you had peak LeBron like we've had in 1920 and then really 2021 before he hurt his ankle too. Um, this year, just with the the lesser talent around him, we've needed more from Anthony Davis and. I think just him maintaining that same level of play doesn't work quite as well, especially when he's not having the defensive player of the year type impact on defense like he did when he first got to the Lakers. So I think I think it's a reasonable suggestion that him having to exert more effort on defense is limiting his impact on offense. But like, I'm only willing to allow that if the Lakers are a top defense, right? Like you can say yeah. that you're <laughs> exerting all your effort on defense if you're like leading a top 10 defense, not whatever the Lakers are currently at right now, which I, I think is still below average. So that's sort of where it falls flat for me. But I mean, the problem with the Lakers is that like their two best players like to, I mean, their three best players really for counting Westbrook just like to, you know, get their work done by the basket and the amount of contact that is allowed around the basket is so much more than the amount of contact that's allowed on the perimeter. So they're yeah. just fighting an uphill battle all the time. And when, you know, the Lakers were in the bubble and hitting a lot of gem shots, it didn't matter as much. And then also I think they sort of benefited from having to play like Denver and Miami who weren't the best possible opponents they could have faced in those rounds of the playoffs. But 
you're just starting to see that like the, the math isn't working in their favor, right? Like yeah. just the, the twos versus threes that kept happening at the end of that Warriors game. And um, the fact that, yeah, you know, I don't want LeBron to shoot one of 10. And like, I think that's an anomaly and he needs to be better. But also like, I do think LeBron gets hit and doesn't get called in a way that like annoyed me when Shaq was playing with the Lakers. So uh, I don't know. It is what it is. It's, it's something that just generally frustrates me about the league is how the calls are favored towards perimeter players. And like, it's fine because it's consistent. It's just annoying when your team doesn't have great perimeter players. Oh yeah. The touch fouls that, you know, Steph was getting even Wiggins, I think got a few Jordan Poole, I think got one. And then you see LeBron just get shoved at the basket. And he's like, every single time he finishes, uh, it mm-hmm. looks like an and one AD as well at the rim. I'm sure gets fouled. You know, my issue with AD, like every shot for him, I feel like his momentum goes away from the basket and I feel like he's so much better when he's like, you know, facing towards the rim and he has all those floaters in his game where he can get to the line. He can be more physical and it feels like his physicality only comes when he's dominating like the offensive boards. So like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's where he can kind of like, there are plays where, you know, even in the fourth quarter, like it's a close game and he'll get the ball at the top of the key and Kevon Looney's like sitting in the paint, you know, and he's like, where's Malik Monk so I can run a dribble handoff. I'm like, no, you're, Anthony Davis, you know, go to the basket. And again, that aggression stuff hasn't been there. You're right um, from the get-go since he's been here, but it's at a different level. I feel like it, it wavers too much game to game. And this team just doesn't have the margin for error. And like you said, the talent to make up for that. And that's why you lose this game and LeBron going one for 10, that probably doesn't happen, but a few, I guess another positive, I guess I had, and you talked about we're losing the math game. You're totally right. The Warriors shot 38 threes. We shot 27. We hit 40% on them, but still, you don't, you don't make that up. Mm-hmm. but the Warriors are fourth in paint points allowed in terms of like they they're they allow the least fourth least amount of paint right, points right. at like 43 points a game and we put up 57 on them so that's a thing I feel like you know if we can dominate inside and you get you know a better LeBron game you probably win that one again Draymond Green didn't play which impacts mm-hmm. that but I think a we're lot. seeing where this <laughs> yeah he does definitely defense player of the year type of type of guy but yeah, we got to the paint, we scored, and I think that stuff this team can kind of build on a little bit. Don't play the 36-year-olds. Play the youth, attack the rim, lean into your stars, and I think we can get something out of this season. But but yeah, it, that was a tough loss. Yeah, the, the switching really takes AD out of that pick-and-roll game, which is yeah. the best way to activate him. And it's annoying because like we just saw him against the Clippers where him and Malik Monk in that two-man game – got going even against a team that the Clippers have traditionally defended AD quite well, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. it's been very hard for him to get going against that team. And he was a monster against the Clippers. Um, so like he's, like you mentioned, just that the inconsistency in his offense progression is really annoying and it's why he's not a number one option on offense. And the, it's even more annoying because the Lakers have like attempted to create like a spacing situation where, he should be able to thrive as a center. Like the offensive ecosystem here is, I think it's still better than it was in the lineups that he was playing in 2019-20. So he should be better. It just... I, mean, I want I, him I to get some get some Carmelo in him. Like, yeah. watch when Carmelo gets the ball in the post. And he doesn't have to do this every time. And Carmelo was more of a natural scorer, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But watch Carmelo in the post. A double's coming, it does not matter. Like, if, he's, if his turnaround is going left, there's the two two defenders come over. He's shooting that basketball and just that stuff that I hope AD kind of can bleed into his game a little bit more. And not going to change the player he is. It's just I think this team asked for it uh, at least offensively because we just don't have the offense to to keep up. Yeah, uh, if only the the defense was saving our offense, but that's um, also not the case. 
Yeah. It's, it's a weird Laker team. It's a weird Laker team. Um, among the many reasons this is a weird Laker team is because of the front office power structure happening on the Lakers. And we got a little nugget from the athletic today about who is making the decisions <laughs> on the Lakers roster. Now, if you listen to every podcast on this feed and you listen to the hook last week, you know that um, Aaron has said that Rob Polinka has final say on all the decisions and he is a collaborative individual and will consult with lots of people, but he gets the final say. It turns out that one of the people who is still collaborating on decision-making in the Lakers front office is Magic Johnson, who very publicly quit on the Lakers front office, threw Rob Palinka under a bus, drove the bus over him several times. <laughs> and yet, um, per the words of Jeannie Bus via The Athletic, she said, to me, he's still working with us. In terms of an official capacity in the NBA, you have to be very clear as to who can negotiate on your behalf and who can't. So he doesn't have that official designation, but in terms of his support, his wisdom, his insight, I freely call on him as needed. So Raj, I have a couple questions. I'm going to start with this. Why as Jeannie bus, would you still call on someone who didn't even have the decency to tell you they were quitting before holding a wildly inappropriate press conference at the end of the 1819 season? Yeah, I mean, first first of all, like I don't know why this comes this has to come out now. Like what <laughs> what about this season tells you that fans would want to hear that you're going to Magic Johnson, you know, for for this type <laughs> of information? Uh, I just don't understand the point of this coming out now, but I mean, if you look at it from Jeannie Buzz and just her circle, right? Like her circle are people that have been there forever. <laughs> Rambus is almost like a taboo name in Lakers Twitter now. Like, you know, it's like uh, you say Linda and Kurt Rambis, it's almost like, wow, like they're still there. Like, yes, they are still there. They're very much um, in power there. And Magic has been her friend and confidant for years. I don't think, you know, him leaving the job in a official capacity ended their friendship. Maybe they stopped talking for a little while. I don't know. I don't know the you know details of their relationship, but I'm sure that, you know, Magic Johnson has been a part of her life forever, like mm. for a very long time. I'm, I'm sure that didn't go away. To me, though, Sabrina, if as long as this doesn't affect basketball operations in terms of transactions, in terms of players we sign, in terms of trades we make, I have no issue with her going to Magic and being like, what's wrong with the team? And Magic, you know, I don't know if I'm, I hope he's not replying in the way he tweets, because I feel like that wouldn't really help very much. But yeah, it wouldn't as long hurt as that much, though, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Davis and LeBron are not innocuous. playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. LeBron and AD aren't playing. That's why. And maybe that's, that's the reason. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't understand this coming out at this time with all the chaos surrounding the team already with Rob Palinka doing absolutely nothing at the trade, at the trade deadline saying, we're going to go to the buyout market. And now Magic Johnson has re has, how did the, you know, people say it? He has entered the chat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Magic Johnson has entered the chat of this basketball season because of course he had, but uh, do you agree with that though, Sabrina, as long as it doesn't impact the actual basketball operations or are those two things intertwined where you can't really separate it? So the only thing that gives me a little bit of comfort about this uh, excerpt from the athletic is that it seems like Jeannie is the one consulting with magic and not Rob. Okay. So at least Rob has some dignity and doesn't want to talk to the guy who was oh so my God. To him on the way out. Um, and frankly, I don't think magic has a lot to offer from a front office perspective, considering the way he built the one Lakers roster that he had chance to right? Um, all of those playmakers around LeBron James. 
the way he bungled the Anthony Davis trade negotiations to the point where it was basically a lost season because everyone was unhappy that they were in the trade negotiations and then it didn't actually happen. And then of course, how can we forget the lovely Vita Zubaj for Mike Muscala trade that still lives on because Zoo is having a great game for the Clippers right now. I got to tell you. Having a great career for the having Clippers. A great career. <laughs> so yeah, um, my, my take is that one, I just don't like the idea of someone shitting on you and then being able to still be a part of the organization in his desired capacity. And two, I don't think that magic has done anything well enough to where he should be counted on to give advice in this capacity. So I'm, I'm thrilled that magic Johnson played for the Lakers and really turned around the arc of this franchise. And I think his legacy as a player is unparalleled and untouched. And I just would love for him to remain in that capacity and stay away from the front office because it is ruining my enjoyment of those old magic Johnson. Highlights. Yeah. I mean, magic left to go tweet. Right. And like, like that's mm-hmm. what he said. Let like him he was, tweet, you know? Yes. And he has tweeted <laughs> and he has continued to tweet. And I think he's enjoying that. Um, and as long as, again, like this is my whole thing with the Lakers and any organization, I feel like a owner a general manager a coach and their star players should be walking in the same direction you should be in unison where you are going and this is just another like point in the they are not walking in the same direction i don't think rob linka is in those meetings like sorry i don't know what you think but i don't think he's in there like i don't think it's rob genie and magic (laughs) sitting there and being like hey and rob being like magic what would you do you know, like I, I, I hope to God that is not what's happening. I really hope so. I just for all of the fun that we make of Rob Palenka, I want to believe that he is above working with Magic Johnson. again. And, and again, like uh, and we haven't talked since the trade deadline, obviously, but Rob Palenka, when he was asked like about the roster moves from Dave McMenamin, what was his first answer, Sabrina? It was. I work in connection with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That, that was his first response there in terms of like a, no, 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 no. This is a team effort. This is, you know, I'm building the team with my lens and the lens of LeBron and AD, which again, you have the clutch tie. Like, it's just strange. I mean, I think losing obviously opens up all these wounds and winning hides a lot of things that probably wouldn't, wouldn't come out um, if you weren't winning, but yeah, that's my whole thing with this. I don't think it's that big a deal. I'm sure Magic and Jeannie stay connected. I mean, why wouldn't they? They're friends. They're like brother-sister, honestly. Brother-sister yeah. relationship. Yeah, so I'm sure they connect all the time. I don't understand why, though, him being a confidant has to come out in terms of a media, you know, like, why does that quote have to come out? It could just be like, yeah, me and Magic. Because it's talk. a great quote. That's why. <laughs> no, it's an amazing quote. I just mean, like, that's <laughs> that's something that we shouldn't, you know, uh, we shouldn't know as the public, but it, it came out and I think it's not that big a deal. It just adds to my you know frustration with the whole organization that it feels like we have five different entities walking in different directions. You can throw clutch into there too. I mean, uh, I think Harrison tweeted out, you know, that like half the roster is, uh, has a clutch connection, which. Well, it's not clutch either. They're former Lakers or clutch connection. Yeah. So yeah, not I mean, not much, not much better, but. But, but yeah, yeah. You know, the Lakers go with what they know. We have seen that time and time again. It's why they hired Luke Walton. It's why they brought Magic Johnson back. It's why they brought, brought Palinka into the organization. You know, it's why 
I imagine they were interested in Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore and Dwight Howard this offseason, all of whom have been varying levels of disappointment in their roles. But hey, um, the fact that they brought back Magic is, or not brought back, I'm sorry, the fact that Jeannie still consults with Magic is not surprising in the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, disappointing, I will say. And for a front office situation that I would say already has too many cooks, like you've got to consider the LeBron interest which, you know, doubles as the clutch interest. You've got the Rambuses, you've got Rob, you've got Jeannie, you've got theoretically Frank, like to add another one to that mix. And again, another one who I don't think is qualified to be in this position makes me upset. Uh, So I'm going to forget that Magic Johnson even entered my brain today and just wait until winning time comes out on HBO Max and let that be the version of Magic Johnson that I associate with. No, yeah, for sure. And hopefully this blows past. Again, to me, winning would solve a lot of this. Um, and uh, these issues were there before we won the championship, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And uh, obviously the decisions that were made after that have kind of reopened uh, the wounds of the organization. So hopefully we can we can move on. Yeah. One little connection here, because I, I think it's interesting. Um, again, I, I last week I asked you about that Meta World Peace, you know, I love basketball moment. Yeah. Who was at the free throw line. I feel like Trevor Reza having like a similar kind of season to Meta War piece in that season where like it looks like he's just passed. Like I remember watching that season. I'm like, this is not how I don't how I want to remember Meta World Peace. Mm-hmm. And I feel like exactly the same way with Trevor Reza, who we really we really didn't talk about this time, but he played 15 minutes. I'm like, this is not the way I want to remember Trevor Reza. But but yeah, Matt, it's it's interesting what we're how we're going as an organization with all these yeah. old guys and stuff. But hopefully and- we can move on. Speaking of former Lakers, however, uh, it was also reported today that the Lakers were trying to bring back yet another former Laker at the deadline. Uh, one Dennis Schroeder. Uh, it was reported that the Lakers tried to offer, what was it? Um, a couple of second round picks and some minimum contracts to the Celtics for Schroeder, but the Celtics denied the offer. So let's just recap the history of Dennis Schroeder real quick. Um, the Lakers traded a first round pick and Danny green to acquire Dennis Schroeder from the OKC thunder at the, mm-hmm. after they'd already won a championship. And again, the theory was that Rondo was going to get a lot of money. They couldn't afford to pay him. So they wanted to get some stop back, stop gap point guard insurance. I get that. Yeah. Um, why they had to give a first round pick is beyond me, whatever. Uh, so they trade for Schroeder. Schroeder tells some German media that he expects to start, <laughs> which was not a courtesy imported to even Rajon Rondo. But Dennis Which we says, complied. Mm-hmm. yeah, he expects to start. We comply. Uh, the Lakers try to sign him to the maximum possible extension based on his current contract, which hands on the table. I thought was an overpay at the time, but you know, you got to do what you got to do to retain your assets. Dennis declines the extension. The Lakers start shopping him. Once he declines the extension, they come this close to trading him in a package for Kyle Lowry does not happen. Uh, apparently the sticking point was one Taylor Horton Tucker. So doesn't sign the extension. And then in free agency, the Lakers decide we don't want to keep Dennis Schroeder. We're going to upgrade him and trade for Russell Westbrook. But in the process, that means that the salary slot that Dennis Schroeder once occupied cannot be filled because they just let him walk, even though apparently Dennis was willing to come back as Russell Westbrook's backup. And the Lakers said no. Now, the Lakers having wasted an asset and a salary slot on Dennis Schroeder, I'm just going to throw this out there. The Lakers could have drafted like Desmond Bain with that pick, but they traded for Desmond. Dennis Schroeder, yeah. just, just one player who was available at the time, but I digress. Uh, after surrendering the asset, they wanted to put more 
money after Brad to get Dennis Schroeder back in Los Angeles. And what I want to ask you, Raj, is do the <laughs> Lakers remember how bad Dennis Schroeder was during the playoffs? I'm sure they do, but I feel like everyone was bad, you know, in that playoff series. And everyone else who was bad got shipped out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. KCP, Kyle Kuzma, all gone. To me, Dennis had a, like, this is a larger issue. I mean, Dennis Schroeder as a player is separate than, like, the issue of going to the Celtics, if this, you know, if this is all true. Like, hey, remember that player we let walk? Yeah, let, let me give you two second-round picks um, to get him back. Imagine if that went through. How, and how, what an insane media cycle that would be. I guess if the minimum contracts had been, like, Bays and DeAndre, you could have spun it fairly positively, but goodness gracious, like. yeah. He, I mean, to me, he was better than people remember last year, at least in the regular season. I think he had, you know, about uh, testing positive for COVID. I think that got him out. He was part of that starting lineup where we started 21 and six, you know, that would be imprinted in my brain forever. Mm-hmm. And then AD got hurt. And then we decided to just flip everything. Uh, we, you know, panicked and yep. uh, threw everything out. But yeah, I thought he was better than, but this is a larger organizational issue. This is throwing away picks for no reason. We threw a first round pick in the Westbrook trade as well. I think a first round pick in that deal. Um, and Isaiah you know, Jackson just... would look great in the Lakers uniform. <laughs> so I'm saying. Yeah. We, and our scouting department is so good and they're working with like, you know, undrafted and, you know, guys that they find in the G league. Imagine if, a, if our, you know, scouting department was able to have a few actual draft picks in the draft, but I know what it yeah, would look like, like. It would look like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Who are amazing in yeah. the league, by the way, who are incredible. Um, Josh Hart as well was the main piece in a CJ McCollum trade. Ivica Zubak is the starting center for a favorite uh, championship contender next year. I could keep going, Sabrina, mm-hmm. but I'm going to stop. Um, but but yeah, the Dennis thing is a large issue to me, how we just uh, throw away, again, quote-unquote assets uh, and, and in transactions, which it feels like you know we just waste those. And it's coming back to bite us. Danny Green, again, we don't really think about it, but you know we just because he missed maybe missed a shot in game five. I don't know, but he was, he was gone. Uh, but I was for that trade, I guess, but yeah, you can't just let Dennis walk if he was able to come back. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, this is a very weird rumor, you know, rumorville that we live in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much more into Schroeder because people who listen to this podcast know that I have been against the Schroeder move since the trade was made. Uh, I was oh, really, okay. I was apoplectic in Slack when Harrison said that we were trading for Dennis Schroeder and uh, nothing has really was be- changed. Was it because then. we gave up Danny green or was it the, it was first the first pick? It was the first. Oh, it was the first. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Danny green just fine. I think it is uh, pretty well documented that he has aged since the bubble. Um, yeah. His hips have not quite kept up and that's to be expected for a guy who's in his, you know, mid thirties and has played a lot of basketball. Like he was in the 2009 draft uh, just because the Lakers, have classified that as a market inefficiency and building their roster does not mean that I believe that all players of that age are good stuff. So I like Danny Green just fine. I think he was really important to building that championship team would have been fine trading him, just not the way they did. Anyway, let's close on this though. The reason that Dennis Schroeder has, I think, come back into the Lakers sphere is because he could potentially be on the buyout market. Now the Rockets have kind of made it clear that they don't want to let go of Schroeder I would suggest they reconsider just based on uh, the vibes dynamic with the Rockets, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, the Lakers have been connected to other point guards in the buyout market. You mentioned Goran Dragic earlier. 
Do you think that that's someone that the Lakers should be going after? Do you think there's anybody on the buyout market the Lakers should be going after? Are you okay just saying, hey, this is our team. Let's make it work. I think it would be impressive to bring on another short guard who can't shoot um, and put that into our rotation. Like that would be impressive. Oh, I think Goran can shoot. Not Goran. I was talking about Dennis Schroeder. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Another short. Like, yeah. And then Gor- Goran Dragic, like I talked about him earlier. I just don't want to add Sabrina another mid third, like not just <laughs> mid, like on the other side of mid 30. I think he's, he's 35. He's 35. Oh, he's 35. Old, okay. But by the time again, of the playoffs, I believe he will be 36. Um, okay. But he hasn't played this year. He fits right? our age profile. Let's just put it that way. Which is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, maybe he can shoot. I'm not sure. He hasn't played this year. The Toronto Raptors who are winning, who like, mm-hmm. I think be, were buyers, like they told him to go, or maybe he didn't want to be there. I don't know. Yeah, the exact, I think he just didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be there. Sure. But I mean, still Masai Ujiri, if, you know, if you trade for you and he wants you to play, I think you're going to play basketball. Like I just, I think that's how things work, but they told him to go away. Miami Heat, you know, didn't rec- like, I, I just don't want another, I don't want to, I think castaway is a bad, is not the right word. But, you know, another old point guard to add to a team that's already old that I think needs to invest more in youth and go get a wing. I don't know where if it's in the G League, if it's in the buyout, like go get a wing. Don't I've heard that we're linked to Tristan Thompson as well. Like, again, just if it's the old player that, you know, played with LeBron and maybe Tristan's not even that old. He's only about like 30, 31. Sure. I just uh, again, we're going because his best years are clearly behind him. For anyone yeah. who has watched the Sacramento Kings or I don't know the the Celtics before that, like Tristan Thompson is not who he once was when he was a key part of a LeBron James championship team. Was Tristan's like rant when he was on the Kings about uh, I think the coach, I think Luke was still the coach this season. Uh, was that the season where Tristan was like, yeah, no one yeah. needs to tell you how to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's been a long year. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot that yeah. Tristan said that, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't, like Goran Dragic, just old point guard, who probably can't defend like probably I, can't even I if you think. think he can shoot he's probably can't defend and mm-hmm. i i think that's our bigger issue and then dennis Schroeder, small guard can't can't shoot you know like you're just compiling our issues and i don't think you're helping us you give lebron another ball handler like that's the that's another issue as well mm-hmm. and dennis obviously has agendas that are another guy who's than- not gonna throw lobs to anthony davis <laughs> exactly and he has his own agendas he's trying to get paid this summer too right so he's not like i just i don't i wouldn't go for that if if this season is what it is that's fine but go get a wing go get athletic young players i think it's clear stanley johnson on a 10 day is our starting power forward or small forward lot of nights because he plays hard and has some athleticism and has some juice to him mm-hmm. with a touch of ball handling like that's go get those type of players uh, the grand drogics of the world i don't think are saving us because Kendrick Nunn's supposed to come back, right? Kendrick Nunn, that guy, that guy who's, you know, plays the same position as Dennis Schroeder, like, and Goran Dragic, like, yeah. The only thing I missed about the Dennis Schroeder experience was he and AD had like a kind of nice two man game where Schroeder would set these back screens on the baseline and, um, and AD would work off those. Yeah. But, um, as, as you mentioned, like earlier, it's, it's great when our point guards run screening actions because like our bigs can actually handle the ball and create off of those. And I would love for Russell Westbrook and the coaching staff to be more willing to put Westbrook in those situations. Cause I think Russell Westbrook should be a good screener and we just don't see it. And I'm, 
I'm not of a belief that that's going to change significantly, but uh, that, that is the one thing I miss about Dennis Schroeder is I thought he was a willing and good screener and I miss having that in a point guard. So yeah. And for he everyone who hard. thinks that I talk shit about Dennis Schroeder too much, that's correct. But I do appreciate that. Yeah. He played hard. He played with juice. I thought, you know, he gave the that, team like, tempo. bouncing die that he had against the yes. nuggets will always live in my brain. And it's like a key part of that double digit comeback in the second half. Yeah, he was a gamer. And I don't know how this turned into a Dennis Schroeder love, you know, fest podcast. We love basketball, Raj. That includes the way Dennis Schroeder plays it. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's coming back to the team, uh, but it'd be a talent upgrade, I guess. I just, I don't think it fits. If he's taking Avery Bradley's minutes, great. I'm in. Yeah, but Sabrina, you're going to play 30 minutes of Dennis Schroeder instead of Avery Bradley. I'm in. I am 100% in. <laughs> but we have Malik Monk already. Kendrick Nunn supposedly is late supposed March. to come. Uh, yeah, <laughs> late March, yes. But still, you know, guard. For those of you who are Brad- keeping track, the NBA regular season ends in the middle of April. So that is how long Kendrick Nunn will have to come back. I feel like Frank Bogle didn't realize like that he just set a whole new timetable because I think someone said early March. I forgot who did. And the Frank's like, no, late March. And we're like, what? <laughs> That's like the end of the season. Um, but yeah, Malik Monk, you have Avery Bradley, who I think both of us agree is not getting out of the rotation. Uh, and so, again, another small guard. Um, this team has enough guards. Let's get some wins. I also think LeBron hates Dennis. I really think LeBron hates Dennis. <laughs> um, any guy who can put up zero points as a starting point guard in a playoff game like just does not belong on this roster. And I realize that it's a little unreasonable for me to be thinking about playoffs when the Lakers sit in the ninth seed in the play-in and would have to beat not only like the Pelicans slash Kings slash Blazers, whoever ends up in that 10 seed and then go on to beat like the Clippers or the Wolves, which have proven very difficult for the Lakers this year. So maybe I shouldn't be thinking as far ahead as playoffs, but uh, Dennis was very frustrating just from a decision-making perspective. And there are enough frustrations on this current iteration of the Lakers that I would like to avoid that. Just give me something fresh, something new that I don't have all of this baggage tied to as a previous Laker. And I think that would be just a happier experience for everyone involved. Yeah. Like imagine a Dennis Russ, you know, backcourt with Avery Bradley at the small forward, you know, next to LeBron and AD. And like, that's a lineup I feel like Frank would throw out there. That's a negative spacing lineup. That's a lineup that can't switch. Yeah, like, you know, so I just, uh, that's why I wouldn't bring him on. We did one thing with Russ, though, uh, in the Warriors game, which I thought maybe, again, I'm looking for, you know, I'm just, like, grabbing at straws here Mm -hmm. for sure. But, you know, we threw him in the post. Lakers are, like, six games under 500. It's it's okay to grasp at straws. (laughs) We threw him in the post, and we made him, like, a playmaker out of the post. You know, like, the the Warriors do with Draymond Green. So, like, obviously, Russ is not Draymond Green, but, like, the Warriors throw the ball to Draymond in the post, and he's not looking to score at all, right? Draymond mm-hmm. is not a – he's not going to back you down and shoot a po- a jump hook, right, ever. It's it's to get, like, split action with Steph and Clay screening for each other. And we did some of that. We threw it into Russ. I forgot who he found, but I think, like, Malik Monk and I don't remember who it was, uh, got open, and they were able to score off that. I'm like, hey, that's, you know, maybe something we can lean towards. Um because we put Russ off the ball, like we've talked about in past previous episodes, we've started to move him off the ball and that stuff. Hopefully we can build on, but got to play hard. And I think they did, but yeah, I, I don't know. Sabrina, this, this I, team I was is, told is that the beauty of Russell Westbrook was that he always plays hard. And yet somehow he has come onto a team that plays a lot less hard than it did <laughs> a year ago. And I watched my guys 
Kuz and KCP and Trez play hard. Maybe not as well, yeah. but they play hard. Uh, KCP had a real nice chase down block today. Uh, tagged LeBron in it on Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's cute. <laughs> it's painful. Yeah. Uh, Kuz got his first triple-double, I yep, think. Yep, triple-double last week. Well. Yeah. yeah, so again, Lakers draft picks thriving. Like, they just... Thriving. Yeah. Yeah, well... At the risk of ending on a sour note, uh, I will say that just talking about Kuz and KCP are just things that I love more than anything else in the NBA right now. So maybe that is on point. But just make real quick prediction. Uh, looking at the schedule for the rest of you know the first part of the season, because um, you know the All Star break is coming up this weekend. Only have one game left, right? It's just Utah on Wednesday. Yes. How are you feeling about that game? Well, I mean, if they can, it's at home. So uh, I think, you know, that's helps a little bit because we're an awful road team, which sure. I mean, we're not, we're not a good, we're not team, a good home team either. So. We're not a great home team for sure. But I mean, it, it helps to be at home at least. Uh, mm-hmm. And we just beat Utah at home. So I'm sure they'll have some extra juice for it. Uh, but I think that's another one again, like if they can come out with the same energy that they did against the Warriors, same kind of focus, same kind of, you know, effort being there, play the youth. I think you can steal that one. You know, last game before the all-star break, Utah probably is ready for a break as well. They've had a long season. So hopefully that's one they can take. Um, I'm going to say they win that one. Serena, that's loving basketball on Valentine's day. I'm going to say the Lakers um, defeat the Utah jazz uh, before they go into the break. What do you say? Okay. Well, I, I really put a lot of stock in your predictions because you said that the Lakers would give up one forty to the bucks. And that was very close to being correct. Um, <laughs> just as I said, we would lose to Portland and <laughs> yeah, we did too. We did yeah. lose to Portland. So yeah, I'm feeling great now about playing Utah. Um, it would be nice just to get one Lakers win heading into the break because it's been three losses, but it feels like so much more because of all of this time between games. So really need to just get some bit of positive momentum heading into the break because I'm not even looking at the standings at this point. I think the nine seed is pretty locked from what I can gather. So the Lakers just seem to start playing well and a team that is not at full strength is a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, we still, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We still play the Warriors. I it's going to get rough after the break. All of the national TV games that they wait to schedule after the NFL season are coming and they all involve the Lakers. <laughs> well, here's my like, okay. It's not positivity, or optimism, it's like the Lakers either are going to have some crazy good wins or we don't make the playoffs. Like, that's that's the two sides here. We either have like, oh, man, they beat them and them and them. Like, wow, they're really building. Or Sabrina, we don't make the playoffs. Like, yeah. that's the – those are the two things that are happening because there's those not enough two bad outcomes. teams. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of middle ground. <laughs> the worst team we play is the Pelicans who are playing are well. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. Good. yeah. And oh, we play OKC once. Uh, we lost two twice already. So – so it's not a great barometer. Uh, but yeah, uh, we either have some really crazy good wins or we are just not in the postseason. So that's yeah. the So you heard it here first. Hassle. If the Lakers make the postseason, they will have some crazy good wins along the way. And what better time to start than Wednesday against the Utah Jazz? So thank you, Raj, for your optimism. As always, uh, this has been I Love Basketball. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. You can get our Lakers talk every single day of the week. And we'll be back next time. Yeah, 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 ye